If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome to Unlocked. It is the world's number one Xbox show. Sorry, Major Nelson. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, <laughs> joined by Destin Legary, hey, Marty Sleva, and this fine gentleman who's been so kind to, to take some time out of his day, Phil Spencer in town. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to see you. Uh, coming up on uh, this week's show, obviously we're going to ask Phil Spencer a bunch of questions to check in with. We haven't, we haven't gotten to talk to him in a while, so we'll check in on Game Pass, the, the move of the E3 press conference. Uh, of course, we'll try to get some Scorpio juice out of them, uh, and we'll what see. Is Scorpio well, juice? We'll what else? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I have no. I brought no venom. <laughs> that's, that's no venom go. with me. Uh, plus, Peter Moore is leaving EA, and you're, it's great to have you here to, to comment on that because that's that's a fascinating story. Uh, Bonnie I Ross job, talking yeah. about story stuff in Halo, uh, which is worth a discussion. We'll see how much. Hopefully, we have time to get Phil involved in the Xbox trivia as well. So all of that. Coming up right now, Phil, thanks for coming over. This is great. That's uh, good. I mean, it's GDC week. It's an exciting week. All the developers here are in the Bay Area, San Francisco. Uh, I love coming by. And uh, congrats on the new desk. Yeah, this oh, is love it. We're, we're, feel we're like excited. real, real, real Dude, if broadcasters you're missing now. missing out on 99% of the joy of the show. Yes. Well, and the three of you are very well dressed today. It is the uh, best dressed episode in history. <laughs> I feel totally underdressed in this. You didn't get the memo? Yeah. No, I did not. Yeah. The so blazer you, you're memo. layered. It's fine. You got your Metallica Halo Wars 2 shirt. My Atriox shirt. It looks shirt. good. Thanks. I like that. Uh, so I want to start, actually, Phil. Game Pass was announced yesterday. Usually cool things get announced right after we record. We lucked out. <laughs> it got announced beforehand. This is uh, effectively Netflix for Xbox games. It's gonna, you're going to get unlimited access to over 100 Xbox One and backwards compatible 360 games on your Xbox One for 10 bucks a month. Some games are going to cycle in and out each month, and if you want to buy them, hold on to a game you like permanently, you get a 20% discount. How long has this been in the works? Uh, this one we've been, uh, we've been on for quite a while. I'd say probably between two and three years to wow. really work through a couple things. You've got to get the technical infrastructure in place to be able to uh, distribute all the games, make sure the store entitlements work, things that people won't care about, that you can de-entitle games and people stop subscribing. And uh, then you got to go do the third-party deals because obviously we got a lot of third-party content in there. We felt good about our first-party content, uh, but it was nice. And we're going to use the preview community to yeah. help test this, which is why we did the announce because uh, the preview community has been great. 
Uh, and it's really nice to have the feature come to market. I think it'll be uh, – hopefully it's a good value for people. And that's actually – I was curious. How do, how do you get third parties involved in a – you know, because I'm sure they want money for their games. What? You know, you got to – do you – I didn't think of that one. You know, do you, do you have to – because I know you've told me with, uh, like with backwards compatibility, you just – you got to get kind of their sign-off on, that's hey, right. are you willing to allow your game to be compatible? So, you know, do you have to make a bunch of business deals with this or is it just kind of a relationship play? No, it is a it's a business deal. Uh, different than backward compatibility. Just so for quickly on the backward compatibility thing, what happens with the backward compatible game is we have a publisher agreement with a third party publisher to publish on the 360. Yeah. So we do not, as a platform, have the right to publish their 360 game on the Xbox One, which is why we have to have the conversation. Makes and most sense. publishers have been great in supporting it. Uh, game Pass is a little different because obviously there's money being made yeah. in Game Pass. So we have a, a way to share in the upside that happens. Game Pass subscribers come on board with the third parties. So uh, if the program is successful, third parties will be successful with it as well. And uh, and they're helping us kickstart this thing, which is fantastic. You know, the, the thing that's that's really interesting for me is this window that gets created. You know, a game comes out mm-hmm. at $60 and people go buy it and then it'll go on sale. And if you just think about Windows and other form of content, TV, movies, where they kind of go through these different places where the owner and the creator of the content can go and actually make some money off of it, we thought there was an opportunity with the subscription. Clearly, we've seen it in like Netflix and other areas where you can go off and do this. And I'm really hoping this creates a window for content uh, that maybe has fallen off of the monetization radar for the third-party publishers. So, so- Go ahead, Marty. You mentioned that uh, you know you mentioned Netflix and like Netflix, uh, games are going to leave and enter this uh, on a monthly basis. Is that right? Yeah. The reason I, and I was when I wrote the blog, I wanted to make sure I, I said that. It, you know, I don't expect it's a large number okay. of games yeah. will move in and out every month, but they are third party games. I don't own the rights sure. to those games. C- certain publishers will make decisions about things that they want to move in and out. I want to make sure we're able to bring new games mm-hmm. uh, to the program often, so that people in their subscription it feels fresh to them. But you know, I would. I don't know this, but I would expect that you'd see a handful of games churn in and out uh, every month. It's not something where you're getting like a complete refresh. Yeah, Yeah. no, because I know people when they start a game, if it's going to take them longer than a month, they don't want to like – then it's some kind of glorified trial or something. And that's not what this was about. I just wanted to be transparent with people that they knew certain games might leave. So right about now or is it this month? Is it your third anniversary as head of Xbox? Is that – I believe it's about Uh, that time? Yeah, yeah. You mentioned this has been in the works for two or three years. Is this something that that you was this one of your sort of initiatives when you you took over the the role? Yeah, there's actually two things that happened today. That uh, well, yesterday with Game Pass, and then something we announced at GDC today about uh, open development platform on on Xbox console, so literally anybody can build a game and put it on an Xbox. I won't we'll go back to Game Pass. But there were a, a few things when I started in the role that I kind of wrote down for myself that I wanted to accomplish. One of them we've talked about before was backwards, backwards compa- yeah. compatibility. I wanted to get a new piece of hardware out, and the S came out. Uh, and then not too long after that, we greenlit Scorpio. Uh, and Game Pass and the ability... One of the things I love about what Netflix has been able to do, and I shouldn't just pick Netflix. Obviously, Amazon's doing a good job with video. There's a, HBO's done a great job with video. I also think that business model has allowed for some pretty creative television content that's actually targeting that audience of subscription TV viewers. Yeah. My hope is that we see the same with Game Pass, that you actually, over time, 
you start to see developers look at the model there. Maybe it's episodic story-driven games or something where you actually potentially could see games launch into Game Pass. Hmm. And that's actually the business model for distributing that content. Well, that's – I thought of when I saw Halo 5 with yeah. that. I know it's a, that's a title that's been out for you know a year plus now. But I thought, well, boy, that's going to do great things for Halo 5's player base, which I know isn't suffering at all. But, but that's – is that the kind of example where it's like if you're a developer, you might think, oh, that's going to kind of – Almost assure me of a of a nice of a nice player base. Yeah, for there's me. that. Also, I, I mean, one of the games I, I love that's come out in the last year or so is the, the King's Quest series from the Odd Gentleman. Mm-hmm. I have a great time playing that series, and I look at games like that, and they're doing fine. So it's not like we have to come in and build a model to to save those kind of smaller story driven games. But I, I do could I could see a world where something like Game Pass is actually a big enough business that a developer might say, hey, this is an area where I'm going to drop one episode a month and people will get mm-hmm. to play. I don't, there's no plan behind that other yeah. than just my stupid thinking on, hey, what is another way that people could bring uh, great games? I think ID, uh, ID at Xbox and, and other indie programs on other platforms have – lowered the price barrier for games so every game doesn't feel like it has to be a $60 yep. game. I think that's been healthy for the game development uh, process and just the creativity that we see and I hope Game Pass can do the same. It's also it's also cool that when something is added to this it might just reignite a conversation online about the game yeah. Yeah. or sort of like a book club mentality where a new game gets added that a bunch of people are like, oh man, I totally forgot how much I love this 360 game and so all of a sudden a bunch of people are playing it and talking about it which yeah. seems really cool. It's funny when we put games into games with gold, mm-hmm. right? So you get the free game uh you almost always see like the month after that the game does a lot better Mm -hmm. um in terms of sales and dlc sales obviously because people playing but if you actually kind of looked at the run rate of how the game was selling and then you took like the three-month block and said well was game with gold a good thing or a bad thing for the game it's usually a good thing even Mm -hmm. though you gave the game away for a while the same reason right it just reinvigorates the player base i see what ryan's playing and i say okay Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I forgot about that game, and I'll go back and play. So if I'm an EA Access, sorry, Destin, if I'm an EA Access subscriber uh, and I see Xbox Game Pass, I go, hmm, <laughs> should I, you know, uh, is it, are, you probably are going to tell me, go talk to EA, but is, uh, are, are EA games ever going to be a part of this? Or do uh, you think they're going to stick to their own thing? Obviously, in the announce, EA is not part of it. We have a yeah. great partnership with EA and have had, had that for years. You know, I, I don't think we want to turn game purchasing into okay i've got 15 subscriptions to make sure i got <laughs> like I hulu and netflix that's right uh, so uh you know the conversations both of us are early ea access have been out a couple of years it's great to have it on xbox and seeing the success that they're having uh, so i think we'll just kind of play it out and see where okay. things go but as a, a platform holder i definitely would love to build tiers of people to say okay this is these are the publishers that i want to be able to participate with in terms of the games i want to play and then the publishers can can make decisions so the door is open if ea wants to get involved with Game Pass. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, and ID games. I think we're going to see some really good ID games come into Game Pass as well. And you know, my goal over the long term would be that Game Pass would also end up on other platforms as well. So like you could see a Windows version of it. Nice. I know we said a little bit of that in the in the uh, kind of Q&A stuff we sent out on it. Um, we, not a lot of Windows content in it today, but just when I think about that idea of the games I want to play on any device I want to go play them on, it makes sense to me that this is a, a mm-hmm. construct that could live. Did you guys take a look at uh, either successes or failures or what works well or doesn't work well with PlayStation Now in terms of you know offering a streaming service? Yeah, I, I've, I've used PlayStation Now. I've used a lot of the, the streaming services out there. I mean, you know, one of the things for us is the box that the person would be streaming to, in our case of an Xbox, is capable of running the game. Mm-hmm. So... 
if you, if a majority of your users are actually using a box that's capable of playing the game, it's actually in the long run cheaper and more performant to just download the the product or the game right to the hard drive mm-hmm. and, and let the person play it. If, you know, for me, streaming and I like streaming technology. I think streaming will really make sense when people are playing on non-performant devices. So I have a smart TV that I want to go play yeah. on if I want to play on a phone. But if I'm on a high-end PC or even a medium PC or if I'm on a console, to me it just makes sense that I would download the game and play it. Like that, it just it seems like the more natural yeah. experience to me. So I want to ask you about moving the E3 press briefing to Sunday. Yeah. Why? Just that, I mean, you didn't really detail. I didn't like getting up early in the morning. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, we okay. talked about we it. On, it yeah. We talked about it here last week, but I, I would love to ask you directly. I've got the opportunity. Yeah, what's you've been at the Monday morning slot for, yeah. which used to be the the kickoff. Yeah. Before E three started encroaching further and further uh, up in June, but yeah, what's uh, what's the the reasoning behind the move here? I think there, there are multiple things uh, that go into it. Uh, one, and, and you know this because you guys have to run the gauntlet. Our briefing happens, and then I think usually Ubisoft is right after mm-hmm. us, and then when EA was in their normal slot, they and then Sony. So there was kind of this just cascade of briefings that the press is having to run to uh, to get everything done. And if we ever went a little longer, if we uh, if if we wanted news to actually land and not end up in the middle of everybody else's news, we said, okay, well, what can we do? And going a little bit earlier, uh, on, going on Sunday, I think will allow us to tell our story and it will kind of sit there a little more as opposed to everybody else just kind of instantly following up on uh, with their own briefings and doing a good job with what they do. So I think there's that. Uh, being later in the day, I do think helps. doesn't help Europe. Europe, it will be a little bit later, which is a, an issue, but not too late yeah. uh, for people. Uh, there was that, and to be honest with you, and you know, the PR people won't love it that I go down this path. I liked opening E3, yeah, and I felt when we weren't opening E3, we were so there was somebody would go before us and open E3, and then just I in had the the, I'm just in the middle. Um, the other platform holders were right behind us, and I felt like okay, well, if we're not getting the benefit of opening E3. We're not closing, so let's do. Let's it unshackled us to kind of try to go do something else. So we're going to try it. We'll learn. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll any, give us feedback. Do you see any limitations with going first? Like uh, you don't have a necessary. You don't get to like react to all the news. You, oh, you clearly, to, yeah. I mean, there's going first has some advantages if people, and I, I don't know that this happens, but if people wanted to counter things that we said on our stage clearly there's not like a rebuttal process where we come in yeah, after yeah. Or something so uh there is positive and negative to going first there are definitely people on the team that swear we should never go first mm-hmm. um somebody's got to go first i honestly i liked coming out and welcoming people to e3 to me I, i've tried to share this like i think i'm part of the game industry first that's what i care about uh and i loved opening e3 not personally but as a platform and be able to kind of celebrate everything that's great about E3 for the week, not just for us. And we lost a little of that as, as things started going earlier before us. So speaking of E3, uh, I, all Xbox fans are curious. I know you're, you're, I doubt you're going to drop any <laughs> news bombs right here, but I will, I will go ahead and ask Here we go. Uh, are, do you have any intention to do a Scorpio event prior to E3, or do you, do you think you, the plan will be to save everything for that Sunday afternoon, and, and uh, that'll be where we, everybody needs to tune in. The plan's not completely set, just to be honest with yeah. you. I think doing everything at E3 would be difficult. Okay. Uh, but we will talk more about it as, as, as we kind of land on exactly what we're going to go do. I like our E3 show being about games. 
Um, clearly, we're going to talk about Scorpio at E3, yeah. but uh, I also don't want to take up a majority of the time um, doing all things about hardware. So uh, there's a balance there. Um, I want it on stage. It's a, a great opportunity for us. So you'll hear more from us on this topic. Uh, so n- nothing great to share with you. But other than I, I know people want to know more specifically about what we're doing with the hardware, and I, I'd love to find an opportunity to do that. So uh- – how is the machine coming along? How many? I'm I'm kind of curious. How many revisions has? Because you you tweeted recently that like oh you were sitting down playing some stuff and the box was looking cool. How many revisions does the box go through? As few as possible would be our goal. <laughs> uh, and we're a, we're ahead of schedule right now. I think I've shared that publicly. Um, if I haven't, I guess I just did. Uh, you know we we got our SOC back in October system on chip system on chip sorry uh, we got the SOC back in October <laughs> <laughs> we ported uh, Xbox one platform over in November started giving some of our first party teams kind of alpha hardware which frankly looks like an erector set when you look at yep. it I mean it's wires <laughs> sticking out everywhere uh, just to start bringing engines over and see stuff running uh, then I got to sit down and play some of those games actually in the Industrial design, I was going to say ID. The uh, ID (laughs) that looked pretty final. Uh, That's why I said I thought it looked great because I think I said it looked good and somebody – it it looked nice. Like it it looked the way I wanted it to look. There were a couple things uh, I wanted to to fix on it. But it's really great to see the momentum we have first with our internal teams that are always kind of the the people that get into the dirt quicker and start doing things. And I was in Japan last week. I've been talking to a lot of third parties. There's just a lot of anticipation to get their hands on dev kits. Is it, uh, is it fair to say that it's probably a little bigger than the S, smaller than the Xbox One? Whereas, because, you know, it is, there's more going on with it. I can't wait to show it. people what it looks like. <laughs> there's Seriously. rumors that it looks like an actual scorpion. Can you comment on that? <laughs> and by with rumors, the, I mean I've said that on the show. With the juice. <laughs> with the juice. The yes. That's good. The That's right. Um, <laughs> no, I think uh, the... The team that designed S was – I've said this before – was the same team that designed what I call Durango or the first one that shipped because uh, certain people, when they looked at the design difference, they assumed that it was a different team. That, and it wasn't, right? It was just a team that had enough time to actually make the decisions and, and, and drive towards something in S that I'm very, very proud of. Uh, so I think when people see what Scorpio looks like, um, they'll see uh, another – my view, a great piece of work from a great team. Is it a family resemblance to the S? I think it's important. You know, we've talked about it as part of the family. We've yeah. talked about games working back and forth. I don't want it to look like something that's completely different, though I want people who buy something that's a more premium piece of hardware to know that they, they bought something that is, is, is different. But this is something that was a little, I feel, kind of unclear at E3 when you first talked last year. Uh, I'm good at unclear. <laughs> I'm really good at that. But uh, the benefits... Will will there be tangible benefits for if it's hooked up to a 1080p TV as opposed to a, a, a 4K TV? Yeah, the reason maybe I was unclear on that answer, uh, the box is more powerful than the S and it's more powerful than the Durango. And it's more powerful in ways that are not as simple as like a 6, which is kind of the thing that we went out and said 6 teraflops. Yeah. Um, when you look at the memory bandwidth, when you look at the amount of RAM, when you look at other things, as we're doing more work – and I've said this before, you're really finding the balance in the system is the thing that's allowing uh, developers to get more out of the hardware. How they choose to use the extra capability in the platform, I 
fundamentally believe the right thing to do is to leave that up to the developer and let the developer do what they think is best. Uh, I was reading some of this stuff. I actually haven't done it yet, but I was reading some of the stuff about what uh, Horizon had done on yeah. the Pro versus the PS4. Uh, I think that looked like I haven't experienced it yet, but the Gorilla team had done a smart job in kind of thinking about, well, what does it mean if I'm here? What does it mean if I'm there? Uh, and I think other developers will will look at that. Luckily, a lot of our teams have been building PC games for a while. And I think if you like look at what Rod and the team did for Gears 4 on PC, there was a lot of configurability. Uh, I don't want to turn console configurability into PC configure. I think it's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I expect that you will see teams take advantage of the, the hardware in ways that show up on 1080p TVs. Absolutely. Have, have you taken steps to make it easier for developers to use? Yeah. I mean, it's... We call it debt. When we shipped uh, Xbox One, the code debt that we had, we had sacrificed a lot of our dev platform in order to launch the thing on the date when we did launch it. And the the way to get games onto Xbox One, and I knew this because I was running first party at the time, was really challenging. Uh, we're going to have, I, I think that the developer story was actually the number one focus for us here to make sure the capability, the tools. We're going to talk about this more. Uh, not, in, it won't be too much longer. Uh, that was our, our number one focus. We know if it's easier for people to develop, great you know great things happen. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that in Durango, and teams pushed their way through it through f- f- uh, sheer force of will. I don't want to make it that hard, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm very proud of the platform work. Yeah, I mean, we saw earlier this week too with Shadow of War. I think that was the first. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about game. that later. Yeah. I, yep. it's I think the first officially confirmed like it's a hey, this is coming to Project Scorpio. Yeah, and I know some people kind of got confused by by the way we said it. Like, is there a separate version for Scorpio? And that's not what we meant. And like the the game will take advantage of Scorpio. Right. But there is an Xbox One version of the game that obviously runs on one. It runs on S and it, and it runs on Scorpio. And they're taking advantage of, of Scorpio. Yeah, you buy game. one, and it's that's right. Play anywhere, that's play right. anywhere. Title, that's right. So. Uh, you know that team, Monolith, is uh, right up the street from us. I've known that team from back when Jason and Samantha ran it. They did No One Lives Forever. Oh. You know, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, a great team, and uh, it's so nice. We've been traveling up the 405 and see and, and looking at the builds and talking to them for a while. I think Warner's done a great job as a publisher this generation. So the opportunity to have them on our platform is fantastic. How important is VR to Scorpio? It was just touched on in that intro video with Todd Howard on there. Yeah. Uh, what what's what is its importance to Scorpio as a as a as an extension of the Xbox platform? You know, honestly, I still see VR as uh, an area for innovation and and growth. And I I will say it again. I think Windows is the right place for that to happen. You know, we we even had some announces today about uh, developers being able to get an HMD from us here very soon uh, and plug it into any Head-mounted device. Head-mounted display. <laughs> uh, sorry. I'm acronym right. heavy acronym today. Game? I apologize. I apologize. Because <laughs> uh, I just see the work that goes on on, on the Windows platform, and I, I think it's the right place for the early incubation. We're still kind of figuring out what the canvas is for VR development. What are the nouns and verbs that work? We know this in 2D. We know how it works with controller. VR, and it's not a slam at any one of the individual platforms. It's just a new creative process. Um, so I think it will be important to what we're doing on on Xbox and Scorpio. Uh, but right now I'm still, how can I get hundreds of millions of, of VR sockets out there uh, for developers to de- develop against? And I see the easiest way to do that is to focus on Windows. So there, it sounds like there, you're saying there will, it, it is a thing that 
you're leaving the door open to with Scorpio, but you're, you want to let the you want to let the market. No, I'll be stronger than that. I think VR on Scorpio is important. It's it's really more about uh, wind, not yeah. if. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as I watch, I was I said before I was over in Japan last week. I thought the Resident Evil team did some really nice yeah. work in the VR space. But you know, even sitting and talking to them about, it, they're still learning as well. Like we're all. We're all learning, and I think the iterative and, and open way that people can develop on Windows um, just makes it. Before you bring something to console, uh, I, I think it's important that it's had its time to kind of find where its creative energy yeah, comes from. I mean, from. you mentioned nouns and verbs. Like, it needs that Mario 64 moment where it's like, oh, okay, going forward, this is the grammar that 3D games are going to use. You're exactly yeah. right. I mean, you know, when we do platformers, we, we go through things like jump distance mm-hmm. and all these things that, you know, most people just play games that, hey, this is fun. And that's right. VR, we don't know those mm-hmm. things yet. I mean, I had a great conversation in our Today Talk where we talked about uh, mixed reality and the, the head mounted display that we're coming out with from a developer that just shipped a kind of pilot wings type game on H on HTC no on Oculus um, oh, Ultra Wings yeah uh, and Chris Stockman, yeah, yeah he was right in front of me we had a long conversation and he was talking about the techniques they had used for people who got a little uneasy when they were playing and and uh, it, that's the kind of iteration that we need to see happen he was talking to me like well what does it mean if we come over and try to do something with you guys on Windows 10 and how can he learn there and I, I think it's that's all that's why GDC happens because this is a place where game developers come and share their learnings. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think VR is incredibly, incredibly exciting. I love the mixed reality space where you can blend the real world and the virtual world together. Uh, and I definitely think it'll be an important thing for is, Scorpio. Is HoloLens part of the Xbox roadmap or is that still sort of on the on the the uh, R and D side? Not not no the enterprise sort of bit, and the non non gaming side. Let me phrase it that way. I mean, you know, HoloLens is is. Three bills, three thousand dollars. Right? I don't know that, uh, like, uh, that it's for everyone right now. I will say, from a technology standpoint, when I think about our mixed reality focus from our lowest priced VR head mounted display through Hololens, mm-hmm. I think about it as a family of devices. That's how I talk to the team. If I develop something that works as a VR experience on our our lower end HMDs, I want that to work on Hololens. If there's something in the middle that's more of a mixed reality device that feels more like a VR device. I want that to work on HoloLens. Mm-hmm. I want HoloLens to be what I call our North Star of technology so people see, okay, because I, I think we all believe that this, in order for this space to work, we have to be untethered. Right, the fact that I've got cables hanging up. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's why that's, I haven't bought one yeah. yet. I, it's, it's annoying. Well, I, and I'm not saying people shouldn't buy them because they're tethered. I right. just like if you play it out and you say, okay, ten years from now, are we all going to be walking around our house with cables hanging off the back of it? Probably not. Yeah. Right. So I like Hololens and the work that we've done there as a, a proof point of it's not perfect in any way, but okay, here's what untethered. Here's what inside-out tracking looks like. Yep. Here's how. Here's what mixed reality looks like. And let's make sure the learning, the API set, the development canvas that people have to work on is consistent from that device all the way through the the kind yeah. of uh, most affordable. I mean, that's just device. technology as a whole. At ten years from now, you're going to look back on on you know the initial wave of VR headsets and be like, oh god, we had this on our head. <laughs> that's the same right. Way, like if you It'll look be like the iPhone, yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. Totally. It's a joke. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of being untethered, uh, the switch is right around the corner. Yeah. There's some design docs about Sony making some sort of port portable device. Is that a market you've recently considered entering into? Well, you know, first, our, our relationship with Nintendo's uh, great. That was they were nice enough. I, I came over and got to play a little early, which was nice. That was it was fun. Um, I think they've done some really innovative work on Switch, and uh, I, I love the hardware design. I got to play a few of the games, um, and I just think anytime Nintendo brings a new product to the gaming market, it's good for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 
I, I got this question the other day. Somebody asked me why we never done a why we had never done something that's mobile, and I said we just kind of looked at phones as kind of dominating that market. Mm-hmm. I'm always watching to see what happens. We get a ton of people now that actually log into Xbox Live on iOS and Android devices, playing the different games that use it there, and just checking in with their friends. I don't know that we would do a kind of a bespoke mobile device yet. But I'm going to watch. Absolutely, I'm going to watch and learn. People want to play their games wherever they are. I can't confirm that. the X-Boy? Not X-Boy. No, I can't. <laughs> last, last Scorpio thing, and then I'll move on. Uh, but I, I would be remiss if, if I didn't ask you about price. Now, obviously, you're not going to drop a price right now. But Here we go. Uh, you you've, you've been You could, yeah. <laughs> Feel free to. But uh, you're either setting us all up. You're either just trying to manage expectations by refer, uh, con- continually referring think to there's it. a lot more thought behind what I said. <laughs> I wish I was that clever. He said it was early in the morning. <laughs> this is why we're doing it on Sunday afternoon. That's now. right. Uh, so either you're just trying to manage everyone's expectations by using the term premium console or you're setting us all up for a uh, under under promise and over deliver situation. But but uh, I'll, I'll phrase the question this way. Okay. Do, do you think uh, do you think you can get away with being more expensive than uh, than your your competition? I get a sense in the way you ask that question <laughs> that you have an opinion on the answer. I've said it out. You listen to this show. You know what my opinion on this is. I'm trying to phrase it politically re- and, and, pol- and politely and <laughs> what respectfully. What you're trying to say is it over four hundred dollars? I think that's what you're trying Marty, to say. <laughs> don't don't influence his answer. Just. Just let him talk. Now, the, the reason I say premium console uh, for Scorpio is that, and you know, people that watch IGM podcast, it, these are people that are close to the core. They yes. know what Scorpio is. They know what a teraflop is. They know that Switch is shipping. Like they're close, and it's a, a great community. It's not everybody. Everybody out there, a majority of the people, when they buy, they go into the store. I need to buy a gift. My, my kid, I want to get a game console, whatever it is, let me sort by price and figure out which one I want to get. Oh, this one plays FIFA, and I've heard Rocket League's good. Okay, that's the one I'm going to go buy. And that's most people. That's not most that – it's not, nothing to do with importance. So when I say premium console, what I mean is majority of the consoles we're going to sell are going to be S's. Yeah. Like, and it, that is, is – so if you're looking – because – it's it's the lower priced console, and for most normal people out there, they sort by price and they find the thing that's most affordable, that does the thing that they wanted to go do. And I want to, and I'm very proud of the work that we did with this. I think it's it's it's, it's wonderful. It's it's the yeah. it's what the th- original. Xbox One should have been, and no, no offense. Thanks, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, the backhand compliment. Well, it's got an internal power supply. I, uh, and it's, uh, yes, it's so yeah. it's nice and quiet and small. So the reason I say premium, shut for, up, Marty. For, for Scorpio is because Scorpio is for a customer who knows what Scorpio is. Yeah, it's for the core gaming customer. They know what a teraflop is. They know what the difference between 1080p and 4K is. They know what HDR is, and for that. That's not a majority of the of the gaming market, right? And it's if, if a console is going to sell 100 million units, like the number of people that actually know any of those numbers or what that is is, is a, a, a vast minority. So I call it a premium console because I want people to be clear the customer we're building that for is the premium gaming customer, the person who buys the majority of the games, the person that's playing and, and uh, playing most games, spending the most hours, spending the most dollars, and – 
for it's like our elite controller, yeah. right? I call that a premium controller. Uh, I'm not trying to scare anybody on the price. We're going to come out at a price that we think is fair for the product that we built, and the customers will tell us as they always do. But I call it premium because I don't want people to get confused that somehow Scorpio is the thing that's going to take over the Xbox line. The majority of the consoles we're going to sell are the S, and I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so before I know we're starting to run out of time, but I, I the internet would have my head if I didn't ask you about. Uh, the, the first party situation these days. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, yes, the Internet's prone to hot takes and, and overreactions. But when when Xbox owners see Fable Legends canceled, yeah. Scalebound canceled, Lionhead closed, Press Play closed, Twisted Pixel uh, sort of given their their release back into the independent wilds. Uh, are, are, do Xbox fans have a right? Are, are they are they justified in being sort of concerned about the first party output and and future well our customers always have the right to voice their opinion and concern so absolutely like and uh, i try to be as available as i can be in answering people's concerns and giving my point of view you know one of the things we we talked a little bit ago about uh, the things i wanted to do when i came into this job one of the things was our first party and how i thought about needing to this is an unfair word, but I'll say rework our first party a little bit. And uh, regretfully, that meant that certain things that we were doing, I thought we needed to do something different yeah. there. And it meant getting back to what I think is a core and building from that. And I think that's where we are, right? So it's been a journey. And I know certain people have asked questions about some of the decisions that, that you made. And, I, and I'd, I'd kind of give vague answers. I think it's actually in the long run going to be better for us. I fundamentally believe that. When I look at the investment that we want to make, that I want to make in first party and that the company wants to make in first party, I think we're at a position where we're going to be able to do some new interesting things. Uh, and that meant we had to stop doing some other things in order to create room for that. And that's just kind of the nature of, of running a business. Right. In terms of the lineup itself – and people say, okay, here goes his PR hat. You know, um, I'm incredibly proud of the lineup this year. I've said before it's going to be an interesting year for us because we don't have Gears. We don't have a Halo first-person shooter game. You know, and I get two sides on this. I get some people say, look, every year it's Halo, Halo uh, Gears, Forza, Halo Gears, Forza. Then we have a year that's not those things and people <laughs> are like, oh, now you're in trouble. But, you know, I look – I look at Crackdown. I look at State of Decay. I look at Sea of Thieves. I'm having a great time with Halo Wars 2. Um, and maybe there's some things that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, but in the long run, I know having an incredibly uh, strong first party is really important to this. There's a journey that I needed to go through as a leader to get us into a position where I think we can go do more. Uh, and I think you know it's uh, the proof will be in, in what we end up doing, and that's how it'll be judged. So is it is it – that make sense? It does. No, it totally because you know. It. Hey, when okay. when when a new boss comes in, a new administration for to use a, a easily oh, relatable. Not, oh that's God, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, you, 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 put, <laughs> you put your people and policies in, and <laughs> I don't even like that's anything about it. this. <laughs> but it's the Spencer administration. No, that's not, we're not going to use that. No, <laughs> but, uh, no. But so we you you are so you do have your core with the coalition and with three four three. And with uh, with turn ten, and I mean, the playground is now doing something else. Maybe it's as well as Horizon. Maybe it's going to be with you. Maybe it won't. But uh, so can and you can't grow first party games overnight. They take two, three, four years. That's right. Is it fair to say that that you are uh, 
investing in in new first party uh, studios and, and projects. Absolutely. Like, and it's um, I will say though, because I, I I don't want. Uh, I have learned some things through the Scalebound experience, and you'd think I'd be smart enough to, to remember the learnings I've gone through on this every time, where sometimes when we start something new, we talk about it too early. Um, for yeah. people remember we announced Rise when it was what, Codename Kingdoms or something. <laughs> right. and, As a Connect game. And, and, <laughs> it was a little bit of Connect. <laughs> but then, then you go through this process in the public of what does it mean to go try to ship something and everybody's asking because you've asked them to ask right. because you've announced it. <laughs> and I, I've learned when we try to do something ambitious with um, either a new team, with a new IP – I'd rather not run out there and kind of put a target on it too early. So I want to be – I learned that. And, and I, I, like I said, I should be smart enough to, to remember the learnings in the past. But if I take – Scalebound specifically, I love Comisan. I love Platinum. I'd work with them again in a second. I think they do great work. What we were trying to go do didn't work for us, and I think it's a collective us. Um, and the – thing that caused me the most kind of consternation about it is that we just put it out there for everybody to kind of watch when we start and stop things all the time. And there was a thing about sure. the Halo Kids product, right? And yeah, what yeah, was that? Box. Yeah. And, you know, we game development is about creative push and finding where the line is and what's going to work and what's not going to work. So investing in new first party stuff, absolutely. I'm probably going to be a little more careful in when we announce things. I know people are going to want to know what the roadmap is for the next three years so that they feel really proud of it. Uh, I'm going to balance that a little bit because I, I also don't want to get into a position where I'm having to defend things. I mean, I know because I have the list of questions. <laughs> you know, one of the questions here is Cuphead. Now, totally different than a AAA game, but yeah. you're going to ask me. Well, when I just it's wanted ship. to check in with you. No, on it I love Cuphead, but you're going to ask me when it's going to ship, and I'm going to say I don't know. And I, <laughs> I'm just, I, I was going to ask you if you've played it recently and how it's coming along. It's really good. <laughs> I mean, no. Like, I'm shocked to hear you say that. No, the no, team, the hand animation in that game is fantastic. Yeah. The music, like mm-hmm. everything. It, but, and again, much different than doing a big AAA game. But in some ways, when you go out there and you show something and then it takes years to finish it, there's a little fatigue that happens. There is. That's, we've, we've seen yeah. that with our audience, yeah. with Cuphead yeah. specifically, where it just captured everybody's hearts and imaginations right away. And now it's at the point where, oh, it's at PAX again? Oh, when's that game coming out? That's right. And I, on the Cuphead specifically, I think when it, when it launches, it's, it's going. When it ships, people are going to be incredibly delighted with the experience. Yeah. But on the AAA side, I'm conscious of this. So putting things, I, I, I could even say with Crackdown Three, maybe I've been talking about Crackdown Three for too long. Yeah, you know. Never. And so I'm. What's that? Never. Well, <laughs> you know, that's the other side is I get excited. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, but on the first party side, I know doing new things is important. Uh, I will say we had to get to a core of what we felt we could build from to build. Uh, I I'm really. I'm really proud of the lineup that we're going to have come this year, but I know that people who have traditionally seen the games that they've seen and they don't see that in the list, they're yeah. like, okay, what's going so on? So do you look at games uh, recently like uh, Shadow of War, like Watch Dogs 2, like Fallout 4 that have these uh, reveals and then the game is out within six months as something that uh, first party wise you're sort of looking into doing maybe something similar down the road? This is a great conversation. I'm not going to try to suck up all the time, it, but this is like – if you were talking about a strategy discussion, yep. this is the one – because take Sea of Thieves. Mm-hmm. Sea of Thieves is a service-based game, so we want to – make sure when the game launches that it actually has had time for us to learn of what does a community of people do when they come together and play. That doesn't work to say, okay, we're going to announce it and then six months later it's going to ship. So you have this for certain kind of games that are first-party AAA games 
how do you incubate them? I mean, think about Minecraft, which we always leave out of our first party lineup, but didn't we just announce like 122 million? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then, you know, it, but you know, could Minecraft ever have been born as a first party game? It launched in 09 as this weird beta. I don't think so, right? Yeah. And and not that every game should be Minecraft. I think it's something special. But this line between big blockbuster, ship it, and then it's there's there's not as much retain in service. I think you can do it then. Yeah. For games that have to grow and we want to learn like Sea of Thieves, you do have to disclose them totally. a little bit early. And I, I think the Sea – actually, I think Rare is uh, – they're doing a really good job right now modeling and, and managing the community um, and keeping people's expectations. So you do have a new console launching this fall. Yeah. Uh, and you're talking about maybe trying to keep some games closer to the chest for for uh, your own sanity, if nothing else. Is Is – do you see the the premiere gotta play it on Scorpio to get all the benefits of Scorpio game as being something one of the the crackdown three uh, state of decay two inevitable Forza seven is it something we already you know just about the game Congrats. you just yeah. tried to look at that Congrats. he's trying to announce <laughs> yeah. the game I'm doing my best or 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 is is uh, is the is the is the Wow Scorpio game one we haven't uh, that hasn't been announced yet for this for this fall. Uh, I I think that Scorpio has to prove itself as a I'll say I'll stop using the word premium as a powerful console uh, through a large array of content. Uh, you know, for people who think there's like some massive big AAA game sitting in my back pocket that I haven't announced yet, that I'm announced at E3 and ship it this fall. Um, it could happen. It could happen. There is. Yes. <laughs> you know, there's. Uh, I am very confident in the quality that I've seen from the games that we're launching and how they look on Scorpio. So when people see games on Scorpio, they're going to see – for those that are close to the detail, they're going to see a demonstrable difference between that and the games that they're playing now on any console. Like I, nice. I, That's what I see. Uh, and I know content has to show that. And um, <laughs> Jeez, Marty. Gone forever, Marty. <laughs> so <laughs> – do, I do think it's a little different than a traditional console launch where there's like, okay, we're going to line up five games on day one. I told yeah. the team, like, I don't want to do that, right? This is this is not – I don't – because it's part of the family of games. These games – every gamer ship is going to be playable on, on both Xbox One, Xbox One S, uh, Scorpio, and, and frankly, we're doing almost everything on Windows as well. So uh, it's a little bit different in that way, but I know that content has to be the thing that we use to demonstrate the capability of the box. Um, I guess before we move on – I. Remedy. Remedy has been a, a awesome partner with you yeah. guys for a long time. Another team maybe that we've announced the games a little bit early, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they seem to be moving in a bit of a different direction, splitting into two teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we ever going to see you work with them again, either in an Alan Wake 2 situation or, you know, what's or, or do they kind of have they sort of made their own decision for for their future? Well, we don't have a deal with Remedy right now, so I'm not announcing anything. Yeah. I will say when you start working with the studio, there is a learning experience in terms of what does it mean as a first party. Is any group of humans working with another group of humans? And once you've kind of figured out how to work together, you know, I think Playground's a good example of this, uh, and you get into a rhythm, I think it's easy to take some of that burn that you have at the building the relationship and, and doing things again in the future. I'd love to work with Remedy again. We don't have a, a deal with them uh, right now, but you, as you can imagine at different events, we, we talk to a lot, a lot of the developers out there. There aren't a ton of independent console developers anymore. True. And uh, so – 
it's probably important that we do some things internally as well. But finding good external partners that we can work with. I mean, we talk about creative assembly with uh, with Halo Wars Two, right? We sure. had a really great relationship with them. Our first game shipped with them, and you think, okay, that worked for us. You know, we have it, it's how do we how do we keep making success together? Awesome. Well, we're starting to run out of time with you. Uh, I want to move to. Uh, Bonnie Ross making a bit of news this week. Your your studio head at three four three. Yeah, she had made an interesting comment about story in Halo. She said, "While we love our transmedia, meaning the sort of DVDs, books, all this the yeah. outside of the game stuff, sometimes I do think we tell a bit too much story in our games. You know, when you have a gun and alien shooting at you, it's kind of hard to digest a lot of story. Hopefully, we're showing in Halo Wars two a more simple story and using transmedia as part of the way to get the deeper story, but keeping the game story." more simple now this has caused a lot of discussion in the community and um I- i'm curious what your take on this is and uh, and what how you feel about sort of the narrative direction of halo uh do you are do you think how what did you feel about halo 5 story and and sort of how that trajects into the future well th- i think those are two different questions i'd say you know, halo Halo to me, and this is me talking. Yes. Like I, this is not like a, a direction anybody. Halo to me is always this really interesting game because at one level, it's John Wayne in space. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just big, iconic superhero character runs around and destroys the enemy. And you can play the game and that's all you care about. And you can have a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. And I think some of us when we played Halo 1, like what's all this? Like I just want to go play as Master Chief. And then there's another side of Halo, which is an incredibly deep, rich world that Joe and the team went off and created. And there's Covenant. Like there's all these things and there's like you know, kind of religious overtones in there. And there's certain people that get really into that side of what Halo was about and that's kind of the lore and you see that. So then the, the game team is in this position of – and I remember when Reach shipped and it was – if we and ODST. Like these two games kind of came out next to each other obviously yeah. and – Where's Master Chief? We kind of lost. Neither one of those games were actually at the time. You know, there was a lot of discussion about where the Halo franchise was going. Mm-hmm. When you're working with characters that weren't Spartans, or you're working with Spartans that aren't Master Chief, now it's funny because when people look back on those games, they talk about them as kind of hallmarks in the franchise. Yeah. But I was there at the time, and I'll just say that's not the vibe we felt when we shipped <laughs> ODST. Uh, and I think with Halo Five, uh, you'll you'll see something similar. Like I, I, first, I'll say I think Halo Five. Uh, is one of, if not the best, multiplayer versions of Halo that we've uh, ever. Played. No argument there. And the cool thing we're seeing right now is actually engagements going up on Halo Five. Like you see, it's growing, which you know, the game's over a year old. But that's just a testament to the Forge community and the, the work that Three Four Three has done. But the Halo team specifically, Gears is a little more simple. Like there's a little bit of complexity to the Gears, but Rod and the team, it's kind of you know what you're going to go do. And I think Bonnie's voicing just openly how you balance these two things. So people who want to play John Wayne in space and just go and kind of plow through the enemy and people who want to understand the lore. Do we get it exactly right in Halo 5? I don't know if you ever get story exactly right in anything that you try to go do. Uh, but I know the team really cares about the feedback from the community uh, and always wants to make uh, what they do better. Awesome. Yep. Well, we are nearly out of time. Uh, so shall we skip right to trivia? Yes. You want to just do that? <laughs> So then we can we can. I thought you were going to be able to get out of that. <laughs> How many well, points do I get if I get it right? You know, you I'm get, only on one. You get the trophy. How about I, that? Is there a trophy? There's I've a, never there's seen a fan. It is, it on is my desk. Lock. Uh, oh, the old ones. There is a new trophy being made for 2017 is, by yeah. by an unlocked fan right now. 
It is in progress. Do we know what it is? We don't. No. Uh, it's it's been. Wait, do you not know what it is? Well, the direct- <laughs> I'd be worried about that. <laughs> it's no. It's a. It's it's in the controller family. You know that's sort of become our theme. We started. We started that? with the Duke. He's worse than I am at yeah. dodging <laughs> answers. <laughs> you didn't even say what you thought of Halo 5's campaign. <laughs> I enjoyed Halo 5 campaign. I understand some of the feedback that people have about uh, kind of – Lock. Yeah. I like Lock. <laughs> Nobody they, likes Lock. I party. like them. Well, that can't be true because we found somebody that did. Well, but the, uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he's being nice. <laughs> Astro um, Cooperson, 20% of the game. I understand the feedback. Uh, I think maybe – like my view – when I played the, the campaign, I had a great time. I am probably honestly more of a John Wayne in space Halo player. Uh, so then I am like if I yelled at Josh about anything in playing the campaign, I felt like I was out of ammo too often. Just <laughs> <Okay. laughs> like give me ammo to go shoot things. Uh, but I understand like there's the the story as you try to morph and grow with the Halo stories. About anyway, we got to go to our question. <laughs> I, I get the feedback. I hear it. And All so right. does Bonnie and the team. Yes. All right. Uh, Unlock block trivia comes to us from Andrew Costin from Columbia, South Carolina. His gamer tag, South- Phil, if you'd like to add him, is Falcon Giant, as in. Folk rock music. Yeah, look at that. However you want to do it. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hang with, stay with us, Marty. Uh, so I uh, chose this question with Phil in mind. You know, you've got such, obviously, you ran First Party mm-hmm. uh, and now the whole damn enterprise over there. So Steel Battalion is a game that you should remember fondly, or at least remember. <laughs> I remember uh, it fondly. We remember it fondly. Yeah. So Steel Battalion for the original Xbox, of course, $200 video game. Largest box ever for a video video game. Inside that was a massive controller and a foot pedal box that were required. It was all proprietary stuff. Only you worked with that game. Great business model there. And so, uh, you know, that would never get greenlit today, though. Like, God bless Capcom in 2002. For making that game, it would that would no one would ever make that now. You know, no major publisher. So I know we're out of time, and I'm probably stretching. I was over in Japan last week. I was spending some time. I'll do this quickly with Namco Bandai, and they have these VR experiences they've built for their arcades in <laughs> Japan. Uh, and I don't know, you pay like seven or ten bucks to go play something that did this Gundam thing that was yeah, really yeah. cool and immersive. Have you done this? Yeah. So. You know, I don't know that that's true because there's certain scenarios where they can leverage the things that they're doing for or that arcade experience that maybe you'd see some people kind of doing some some crazy things in the home, knowing that it wouldn't go to everybody. But yeah. they also have another place to go deploy those things so people can actually go and play. Yeah, okay, them. you will yeah. never greenlight on anything <laughs> like that. I just want I just want my Gundam. <laughs> uh, so, that was a cool experience. Yeah, I, re- yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't do like you, I sit and hold the thumb, right? Yeah. That's what you do. Of Steel Battalion, <laughs> Andrew. Asks uh, how many buttons and switches were on the controller, not the foot pedal box, just the, the that big controller that you'd need to put on a table or a desk. Was it a thirty-five button controller, forty, forty-five, or fifty? Do you guys remember? It's like a fun bit of Xbox trivia here. How many damn buttons were on that controller? The fact that they're all divisible by five, <laughs> like it seems like the right yeah. answer is not yeah. in there. It's- yeah, is it E? Is this a trick question? <laughs> yeah, like that's been like any idea. Thirty-seven. Uh, yeah. You brought up that it's in the controller family. Is this our next trophy? It could Ooh. be. That would be a waste. <laughs> we don't have desperate. No one has desperate. Yeah, I don't. Uh, Fifty is just ridiculous. I'm going to go with thirty-five. Yeah, thirty-five. No, yeah, yeah, totally yeah. Yeah. There's a line <laughs> between thirty-five and fifty where you've clearly gone from. There's a line. There's a line. It's a completely arbitrary line, but the line's there. Marty's too far. Uh, forty-five was the number that came to mind. Also, I'm just I'm going to lose this year so badly. <laughs> Phil, any? Do you do you remember this fun little nugget of trivia? I don't know the answer. Uh, I'm going to guess just to be different. I'm going to go with B. Okay. All right. Oh, they they got the. uh, Yeah. Oh, no. 
Phil's Phil's Phil Phil's on the board. Oh, oh, Reputation. Victory is mine. Yes. Yes. And so, how many points did I get? Uh, all of them. No, well, that's like minute. one. No, it's yeah, well, you you just get one back. What are the come standings back next right week? Now? You win our steel. Well, you're currently controller. Destin is far ahead in first. Not that uh, far. I'm very. We are now tied for second with one, <laughs> and Alana has zero. Yeah, Marty <laughs> one point. Can places. I wait a minute? Since I took Alana's spot here, can I give her my point? No. Come He's on. Said, you, can't, come on. you can't say no to him. Yeah, I should what if be able he cancels to do all that? the games we want? <laughs> Didn't he, this is a hostage situation. He's not making Banjo 3. gets my point. That's it. Uh, are you making Banjo 3? I'm not denouncing games here. I'm getting <laughs> a lot of my point. You know, it would be really cool if you did, though. That would be pretty awesome. I love Banjo. Yeah. Uh, Phil, on the board. And we can talk Tell later. Tell her about. she got my point. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to win a video game, because we get game donations from listeners, from publishers even. We've got uh, Sniper Elite 4. We've Good got uh, uh, all the uh, 360 Gears games. A lot of codes for that to give away. Rainbow Six Vegas codes. Dishonored 2. So... Uh, Andrew will will get in touch with you and see what you'd like. But if you would like to play and have a chance to win, send your Xbox trivia question. Include four multiple choice answers. Note the correct one in, in your email and send it to unlocked at IGN.com. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for being here. No, it's, it's great. Been, yeah. an absolute I think you guys pleasure. do a great thing for the community. I listen thank every you. week. I think it's uh, – I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, honestly. I think people who want – uh, your opinions on what's going on in the Xbox community. You guys are harsh when you should be. Uh, you're we'll try raising. to be fair. I think you're Do fair. Our best to I be think fair I think you're times. very balanced uh, in in the commentary here. I like coming in. There's smart dialogue. And uh, I think you do a real service for the Xbox community. So thank you. Well, Phil, we can follow you on Twitter, of course, at Xbox P3. Yeah. Yes. Anything else you want to plug while you're here? Just like buy an Xbox or. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what should. I think people should go play Astroneer if they haven't played Astroneer. Astroneer. Oh, okay. It's a game uh, in game preview that I'm having a really good time with. And uh, it's a local team. has some uh, history with us. Some of the people have worked at Microsoft before. Nice. It's nice to have a local uh, Northwest uh, studio doing well. Voodoo Vince remastered soon? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I was, Clayton <laughs> almost gave me the date to give to you guys and then he was a little squirrely on the date. So then he gave me a date for a date. Mm. <laughs> so I think there's a date for a date. I think next week you're going to get the date. Okay. Lighten in the team. Can't wait. I don't know what you got. Happened. It. That's, 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 uh, get, we need a kick to get us out yeah. of here. Out of <laughs> but I'm playing. It's great. Soundtracks uh, is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Super excited. Really uh, what, what's give me what other what IP are we bringing back next? Well, you know, Phantom Dust. Well, okay. What else? I can't give you the next one. <laughs> All right. Don't, I can't give you the don't next say one. Battletoads. There's a, you have such a great. You do have a. There is an awesome yeah. IPR. We do. I don't think it's me. It's like we do. Again, the community of Xbox players and creators that they've created some really special things and supported some great things out there. Uh, when I think about our gaming history at Microsoft and things that we could go do, uh, Shannon and I spend a lot of time, and I think it's going to be uh, going to be a fun year for real. Blink, Blink, Blinks three. I liked Viva Pinata. So it was well yeah. done. So yeah. underrated. Yeah. Probably yeah. the hell out on Rare Replay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably not Blinks 3. <laughs> <laughs> Banjo 3, though. You got to make Marty's life. Make that a thing. Oh, we got. I, I just played two hours of ukulele. Yeah, that's so I'm, true. I'm very happy. He's going to watch Snake Pass. I yeah, played, yeah. Like an hour uh, the ID, yeah. ID program. Yeah. He's going to watch the sales of ukulele and then decide. I'm going to cry. Empty I'm my bank do. account. <laughs> Look at all the opportunity. Yeah. No, I think it's great. When, I mean, obviously, we know that team well. Yeah. And I know you're trying to close, but uh, I want the. I think it, it'd be fantastic if people went out and bought ukulele when it comes out and plays it. Marty, uh, you, I'm at Nick Bigotty. Also, uh, please buy ukulele when it comes out. So we get banjo <laughs> from me and Alana, Destin. Follow me on Twitter and yeah, support new IPs. No, good message, right, Phil? I love that. Yeah, yeah. damn those franchises. 
taking up taking up all the damn attention. Those French. And I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> no, <He just> swearing <laughs> at me. French. No, I think it, the game industry feels really healthy to me right now. Mm-hmm. It's good to see a lot of platforms doing well. Great games coming to PC. Uh, we got to celebrate Sid Meier last night. I got to meet I met him before, but spends a lot of time talking about the history of games, and it really made me just think about this uh, this industry and and what it's meant. And uh, it's uh, it's a great time to be a gamer. Yeah, 2017's ruled. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be incredible. phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. I just want to sincerely, for real, Phil, thank you so much for. Thank I know you know yeah, you, you've you. got meetings and and more important people than us to to meet this whole week in San Francisco. Just awesome. thank you for uh, for taking the time. Really, it does mean a lot. We hadn't seen you since E3. And I suppose that uh, maybe that's the next time he'll see you unless you end up doing a, a Scorpio thing at E3. So hopefully I'll see you in a couple months. Okay. Uh, for Marty and Destin and the great Phil Spencer, I'm Ryan. This is Unlocked episode whatever, 285. We're getting close to 300. 300. Getting close. We're going to have to come up with something special. Uh, we'll see everybody next week. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.